From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special edition of Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. When Scott Strickland came to Florida last year, he promised to always keep the fan experience top of mind. Part of that pledge includes interacting with fans in a number of ways, and we're happy to have him back on the official podcast, The Gators, to give updates on the massive new facilities project, takeaways from his speaking tour, thoughts on the incredible achievements taking place across campus in the spring, and, believe it or not, hot takes on an unlikely subject you'll have to stay until the end of the show to hear. But we started by asking Scott to break down last week's huge announcement about the next steps in the process of football's major facility boost. Well, last week uh, we announced that a design firm, which is HOK out of Kansas City, is one of the national sports architecture firms that's that's really key in this space. They've been selected by uh, Florida Athletics to design the football complex, the standalone building. Uh, adjacent to the practice fields. Uh, So that was a selection process where a lot of firms came in and presented. And it's really interesting, uh, Adam, that there's a number of architecture firms that specialize in sports facilities, and they all, for the most part, seem to be located in Kansas City. (laughs) So um, Interesting. Yeah, so HOK was selected, and um, so we'll get moving. We're about to select a uh, construction manager to kind of, uh, you know, run the project, and uh, you – once the, the CM is selected, the construction manager, uh, they'll be part of the team with our staff and the football staff, obviously, and the designers. And we'll spend the next several months, you know, putting ideas actually down on paper. And mm-hmm. when, when that process is done, we'll have blueprints that can then go be constructed. And our goal there is to break ground in December for the football facility and you know of course baseball renovations and and softball renovations are also part of the Mm -hmm. immediate plan and we will start the same exact process to select the design team for those projects softball and baseball uh, later this spring and that'll follow a very similar uh, roadmap so um, the ball is rolling and you know Chip Howard on our staff does a great job kind of spearheading Mm -hmm. those efforts he and Bill Smith and you know there's stuff happening every day there's a lot of uh, steps you have to take in these processes, but the most important thing is kind of get the big stone kind of heading down the hill, and right. that's where we are right now. I want to go back to the Kansas City part for a second. In your experience with this, have you figured out why they're all in Kansas City? Is there some connective tissue you found there? You know, I've asked that question. I'm trying to think what the – I think that, like, uh, it's probably a deal where one firm started doing it, and then people broke off and started their own firms. And what's really interesting Good is point. the people who are really significant in that space, sports mm-hmm. architecture, these firms who are all located in Kansas City end up cherry-picking. And so you'll meet somebody – who worked for one firm on another on a certain project, and two years later they're working for one of the competitors on right. a different project. You know, they kind of cannibalize each other. But really, there's a lot of talented people in that space, and I'm of the opinion that while all those firms are really good, some of them may be better suited for certain projects than others. Some mm-hmm. may be better at you know fan spaces, premium spaces. Some may be better at team facilities. Some may be better at overall stadium type stuff. Some may be better in different sports. And uh, so anyway, it's just, it's just fascinating. I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with several of them and they're all good, but uh, I think sometimes you want to make sure that you pick somebody who who's really specializes in a certain area. 
And I know right now HOK is the big project that they've got, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and they also have a number of other big-time facilities, really innovative ones as well. I know they worked on the Clemson facility as well for football. So how much do you look at the other projects that they've done and start thinking, well, I like this from that. I'd like to see that. Because when you have so much innovation, how much of that do you then want to take when you're working with them? You know, I think you look at a level of expertise and experience more than you look maybe at specific ideas mm-hmm. within a project. You may see where, hey, they innovated in, at this particular space, and how do they execute that innovation? You right. know, ideas are important to come up with, but then how you execute them are, is a totally right. different. We're going to put a roof across the entire campus. Yeah, so there's exactly. no sun Yeah, venues. that's a heck yes. of an idea, yeah, but how do you idea. execute it? So <laughs> you're right. That, that's, a, that's a really talented firm. But going back to what I was talking about earlier, there are people on that firm who I know have done other projects when they weren't with that firm. Sure. And so sometimes you want, okay, what did you do? So it's all these people are bringing not just that firm, but their own projects right, into that Right, there, because there's several architects on the team right. that you'll work with. They actually, uh, HOK in and of itself is a great illustration when I was talking about how, how firms kind of spin off and form other firms. There's a company called Populous, which is a, one of the big design mm-hmm. firms. They've done a lot of major league ballparks. They did Camden Yards, which kind of kicked off the old retro boom. Sure. And um, back when they did that, they were called HOK. This is going to get really confusing. Populous Should I was take called, notes or are we okay? <laughs> good luck. <laughs> um, Populous was called HOK. And then at some point, they changed their name to Populous and spun off. HOK was actually a bigger uh, mm-hmm. architect firm. It wasn't just sports. And they kind of spun off their, their sports team into Populous. And uh, so they got out of it. HOK did. They got out of sports. Right. And somewhere along the line, they decided they wouldn't get back, wanted to get back into it. So instead of starting their own group, they went and bought a group called 360. So HOK today, is what, as we know it, was actually the f- group formerly called 360. When they started the Falcon Stadium, they were known as 360, and now they're oh, wow. HOK. Okay. When uh, Mississippi State, we actually used 360 for the stadium expansion at Davis Wade Stadium mm-hmm. where we bowled in the end zone and everything. So it's hard. to You need a, you need a roadmap and a, and a sure. roster to kind of keep up with everybody. But where it impacts the Gators is we have a really talented group of, of people who are going to be part of helping us put together uh, the next phase. The video that people saw that went out was mm-hmm. really part from the presentation HOK made to the internal committee we had that selected them. And some of that stuff is conceptual. I don't know what of that stuff we will actually include. Mm-hmm. The exterior of the building will probably end up looking much different than what the initial renderings have shown. But I do think uh, it gives you a sense of their creativity and the, the mind power behind that that we're going to be able to tap into. So you mentioned the blueprints. I know fans are so hungry for more information on this. They want to know everything, when it's going to happen. So Me too. <laughs> so if, if you're laying out for fans realistic expectations of what comes next, is that they, they want this to open tomorrow, right? Yeah, right. What, what's realistic in terms of where this goes from here? You know, I think it's probably a 20 to 22-month construction project. So if you break ground in December of 17, our hope and goal would be to have it ready by the time the football team opened the 2019 season. Okay. Uh, The good news is, unlike when we get into softball and baseball, where we will be trying to work around seasons, Mm -hmm. um, because we're not, this doesn't impact a a facility that's currently being used, it's other than the the throws area where track is, we obviously will relocate that before we start the, the construction of the football building. They'll be able to go and not have to start and stop because of games right. going on right. but it's probably about a 20-month project and so if you break ground in December this year um, you know we'll have about a year and a half or so before we're able to move into it and I understand the fans want it today mm-hmm. the the journey is part of the fun sometimes mm-hmm. and so as this year goes along uh, we'll start getting more detailed as far as the look and the actual 
specifics of what's in the facility. Right now we expect it to be a 130,000 square foot facility. We'll be able to share the details as we go along. So that'll be kind of fun for people to hear about. Mm -hmm. It'll be fun for us to learn about and be a part of the process. And then once you break ground and you start seeing it come up, there's a recruiting buzz right there, right? You know, no you, bring, you bring kids on campus and they come to, you know, it's going to be right there next to practice field. So as Coach Mack and, and our staff have recruits at practice, they're going to be able to see it coming up from the ground. And that kind of creates its own buzz. Um, and then once you get in it, obviously, you get another, another jolt. So you mentioned baseball and softball. What can you tell us about those projects? Where are you with those? Well, we're going to select those design teams, just like we just did for the football complex, mm -hmm. sometime this spring with the idea that we can, we can st sit down, start uh, mapping out things with that group this summer. And uh, hopefully by, you know, we'll find a time of year where Coach Walton and Coach O'Sullivan have time to sit down and help be a part of the process. Mm -hmm. And um, probably would not get started with that. Best case scenario, assuming our fundraising has a success, we hope it has in the coming months, uh, would probably try to do both of those projects between the 18 and 19 seasons. You know, so mm -hmm. spend basically this coming off season designing whatever you're going to do, go through next spring, and then next summer start those projects with the idea that you could do it in one off season. You guys just spent $100 million on the O-Dome, Exact Tech Arena, on the Hawkins Center and just before that on the indoor practice facility. So right. where does that $100 million come from, and how does the Game Changers initiative play into that? Well, Game Changers uh, initiative, and I appreciate you asking about that. Obviously, that's something the Gator Boosters staff announced a week or so ago. And uh, basically, you know, Gator Nation is really big, right? Mm -hmm. We have a lot of alums, a lot of people who love the Gators and want to see the, all this stuff that we've talked about, they want to see it happen. I think people probably tend to think that unless they're able to write a really, really big check, that anything they'd be able to contribute would really not be helpful. Mm -hmm. And the Game Changer initiative is just to say, we're all game changers. If you love the Gators and you want to see stuff happen, we need everybody at every level participating and pulling the rope in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Because whenever... You have a huge base of support like Florida has, and if everyone's fragmented and not everybody's putting their weight into it, it really takes away from the advantage you have of having a huge fan base. Sure. But if we can all pull the same direction, if we can all decide we're going to do whatever it is we can to support, whether you're giving $25 or $2,500 or 250 or whatever it is, then, man, we can, we can accomplish some really cool things. And so there's different levels of that that we're asking people to help with, but at some level – there's space for everybody to pitch in, and, and you can go to Gator Boosters' website and read all about the Game Changers and how people can be a part of it. Of the $100 million we want to spend on these three projects, we would like to raise $50 million and then borrow the other $50 million. One of the things i, I got to give Jeremy Foley a lot of credit for is he was really smart with the finances of the UAA. He was mm -hmm. a great steward, and relative to a lot of our peers, we have really uh, low indebtedness right now as a department. And so I think the timing is good. Rates are starting to creep up, so this is probably a good time before they really get, get in up now. there. <laughs> and and uh, use some of that, that borrowing capacity that we have to, to kind of help kickstart some of this. And where you're talking about uh, baseball and softball, you know, there's some premium seat opportunities that might be a part of those projects that can help fund some of that debt service. Sure. But between the debt service and just people getting behind the, the Game Changer initiative, that's how we're hoping to get all these things accomplished. As part of raising money and also introducing yourself to more parts of Gator Nation, you've been on a pretty extensive speaking tour. So what has that been like for you? What have the interactions been like? And, and what have you taken away from that? I've had a blast getting out. I think we've made five stops thus far. We were in Lakeland and Tampa and Orlando and Jacksonville and most recently in uh, West Palm. 
And, you know, everyone has really been welcoming and it's been very positive. I've really enjoyed just getting to meet people. Those things have provided an opportunity for me to have some one-on-one conversations with some people. And at these groups, I've we've done Q&A. And it's, uh, you know, that's always fun to <laughs> kind of take questions because people, you, you find out what's what's important to people and where their passion is. And, and obviously, they're, uh, they're passionate about football, but they love this place so much. And they're so proud of what has happened and what is happening. And they have so many high hopes for what will happen in the future, as we mm-hmm. all do. And so anyway, it's, it's been fun to be a part of that and hear that and, and get to know people. And whether I'm sitting down meeting with, uh, you know, part of the UAA staff or I'm getting out and, and meeting fans and boosters and, and just people who love the Gators, every one of those interactions helps fill in the narrative of what makes this place special, which coming in from the outside, that's really helpful to me. And, and I'm so appreciative of those people who come out and, and are, have been a part of those meetings and uh, kind of help me understand what's really so special about being a Gator. Last time we talked in December, we sort of sat down and said, okay, here, here's what I'm about, here's where I'm from, here's where I'm going. And one of those keys that you mentioned is growing up on SEC football. So having that background, can you talk about how surreal it was at some of these stops having Coach Spurrier introduce you to boosters? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have a more welcome to Florida kind of moment. And, <laughs> uh, Coach Spurrier was at a lot of those stops, and he introduced me. And, you know, I, I think I got up at some of those and made a joke that, you know, we're done here. I don't have anything. <laughs> I can't top that. You know, how, you know Don't want to follow it. Steve yeah. Spurrier just introduced me, and, I'm, you know, my life's good. So it's been a lot of fun to get to know Coach and Jerry. And, you know, I, I watched from afar when he had his great success here as a coach. Mm-hmm. And he's such an iconic figure in Florida for sure, but – just in the SEC and nationally, it's really kind of special to have him here. And I think since you and I spoke last, he has it's been announced that he's being inducted into the College Football National Football yes. Foundation Hall of Fame yes. as a coach. He's already in as a player, and he will now go in as a coach. I think he'll be the fourth person ever to go in as both a coach and a player. That'll be in December up in New York. And you know, that's, just, that's just really special. Amos Alonzo Stagg is one of the other guys. So he's a pretty <laughs> rarefied air. With both basketball teams now finished for their season inside Exact Tech Arena, how pleased have you been with the reception the building has received from both the players, coaches, and also from fans? You know, I don't know that you could have an example of a uh, renovation that has been more well-received mm-hmm. by everybody, just universal popularity. Obviously, our student-athletes and, and our coaches have been really excited. I mean, how could you not? But the the fan response has been amazing. If you look at how many games we had sold out, which was a vast majority, we have very few that weren't on the men's side this mm-hmm. year. You know, the, the team playing really well is a big part of that. But when the arena is also part of the attraction, that's that's how you kind of build that buzz. Mm-hmm. And so, again, Chip Howard and Mike Hill and Jeremy and everybody who was part of that process, that renovation deserves an incredible amount of credit for executing a very challenging that's a very challenging project to go in and, and gut something from the inside, leave the exterior in place, mm-hmm. and come out with what, what they did. And and at the price point they did, I mean, it was really an efficient use of $65 million. And you look at other schools that are building new facilities, new arenas at $100 million, and they're not getting anything any better than what mm-hmm. is, is across the street there. So just phenomenal. It's a great illustration of we need our venues to create, help us create the great experiences for our student-athletes and our fans. As we move more fully into the spring season here, there are currently nine Gator teams ranked in the top ten nationally. How exciting is that for you to get in here in your first year and, and get to see everything that's happening all across campus? It's surreal, to be honest with you. 
and you it's amazing how quickly you go to expecting well you know we got number one in women's tennis and number one in track mm-hmm. and number two in baseball and softball whatever it is and it becomes the norm and you have to remind yourself especially you know this is my 29th year in college athletics that it's not the norm it's very <laughs> abnormal to have that many teams ranked that highly i mean our basketball team is 12th this week and they're they're one of the lower ranked teams on our campus. <laughs> they're number twelve <laughs> in the country. They're having a great year. Slouches, right? Slouches. Yeah, they're, they're, so it's really special. Again, huge credit to Jeremy. We have wonderful coaches here, but you know we have so many advantages. Florida has so many advantages. Big population base, almost twenty million people in the state. Mm-hmm. A top ten public university. A brand that people know coast to coast. But none of that matters if you don't have the right leadership from a coaching standpoint or the right kind of support administratively or a university that's doing what they can to help support. And so just there's a great culture here and there's a great level of expectation of success. And, you know, uh, you're asking what stood out during the Gator Booster meetings around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pride in the fact that we're not just good in one or two sports uh, and there's a lot of focus on football and basketball, like everywhere. But sure. but people, Gator fans, pay attention to what Tim Walton and the softball team are doing, or what Jenny Rowland and the gymnastics group is doing. I mean, you know, they keep up with it. I talked to a guy in Palm, uh, West Palm who was, he said, "I'll see you tomorrow night for gymnastics." He's a season ticket holder, drives four and a half hours from West Palm. Wow, to watch the 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 Gator gymnast. So that's really special. And, you know, it kind of creates a snowball effect. You're able to continue that success because of it. If we can transition a little bit back to football, we're about to enter spring football, which is uh, people don't need reason to get excited about football. They're into football all year long. They want to talk about it. But since we last spoke, the Outback Bowl happened, a dominant performance in the Outback Bowl, which gave a little boost, strong finish in recruiting. That was a little boost. This happens as well. Can you just talk in general about the momentum you've seen from the football program, both internally and externally. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you look at, at what Coach Mack's done his first two years, and you're a Presbyterian game not happening away from, you know, probably back-to-back 10-win seasons his first mm-hmm. two years. And um, We'll give him that. I, most people, I, I don't even think Presbyterian would argue with that one. Yeah, so. Presbyterian probably can see so, that. So, you know, he deserves a ton of credit for that. And I think, I think coming off the bowl win and back-to-back, you know, basically 10-win seasons and finishing up strong as they appear to do in recruiting, and the facility project's getting going. There's, you feel like some, you got some wind at your back. And so anytime you have someone move on and uh, take uh, Jeff Collins, you know, go to be a head coach, that's great, mm-hmm. right? You want all your assistant coaches to have that opportunity one day. Uh, but it gives you a chance to say, okay, how can we, how can we get better from this? And, sure. you know, Randy Shannon, it's hard to find a guy that uh, has a better background, uh, you know, to kind of move over from within the staff, knows the state as well as anybody, has head coaching experience. It's, and did a great job in the bowl game. I think that's a really special move to get someone of Randy's caliber in that spot. And then you look at other positions that were were switched out. I think it's an exciting time. Uh, we have an unbelievable home schedule coming up, and so there's some excitement, I think, about what that looks like. Our season ticket sales are up 30% over a year wow. ago. And so there's 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 some momentum there. And, you know, looking forward to spring ball, looking forward to, to this coming fall. And spring has seen you – Everywhere. I mean, everywhere I've been on campus, you pop up. I don't know if you have a double or a stand-in that you're working with or a helicopter that's jetting you around, but as you've gone from venue to venue and, and seen these games, I'm curious, what perspective are you watching them from? Are you watching all these events as a fan, or are you looking at it from an athletic director standpoint? Are you evaluating 
things about the way the facility is being run? Are you evaluating the game plan? I mean, what what goes through your mind when you're watching all these events? Yeah, all, all of the above, Adam. Okay. You're looking at all that stuff. Uh, part of it is I, I want to get to know our, our teams and mm-hmm. our student athletes. And, you know, you really can't do that unless you go to the games and watch them. So enjoy doing that and admiring the work our coaches do and getting our, our, our athletes ready to compete. Um, it's amazing how you're right. I'll, you know, if we have a, a day or a night where there's a lot of events, I'll try to spend some time at all of them. And mm-hmm. you go from uh, Presley Stadium over watching some softball and it's packed and you leave and you head over uh, over to baseball at McKeithen Stadium and it's packed and you stick your head in gymnastics and there's 8,000 people. I mean, they're, and, and they're all going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tennis draws really well out at, at the ring complex. And so it goes back to the Gator Nation is fully engaged and there's people who really – care and, and are supportive so but i look at all that i look at you know concession lines and mm-hmm. you know how, how are we bringing people into the facility and cleanliness and restrooms and um and i th- i think you know by and large we do a lot of that stuff really well and uh you know this past weekend hosting miami and biggest crowd ever for a three-game series about sixteen thousand people i think for the three-game series and uh mckeithen there's some things that we'd like to do to to improve it but it, it managed that crowd really well you know the, mm-hmm. there were some lines of concession and but it just seemed that people flowed in and flowed out and and all those kind of things and again that credit to our operations people and our game management staff and, and for all they do but you know that's 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 one of the great things about this what i get to do is get to go and watch uh, student athletes compete and and people come and get connected back on our campuses and and be a part of that as far as the other side of what you do i'm curious when we don't see you out and about at games and traveling from venue to venue what is the day-to-day like of this job if it's a monday or tuesday there's no events going on what is your schedule like what kind of things are consuming your day at some point, you know, I got to sit at my desk and go through some emails or paperwork. Uh, we have meetings. Some of them are regularly, you know, kind of standing meetings that we mm-hmm. have every week with certain staff members. Um, right now, I'm actually trying to, uh, I've started the process of meeting with all 360 staff members. And I'm probably about, you know, maybe a quarter of the way through that. I've met with wow. all the head coaches and seen Every stuff. staff member? I am, yeah. Cool. And it's, uh, I do a couple of those a day usually. Those last about 30 minutes each. And a lot of it's just tell me about your life. You mm-hmm. know, tell me where you're from and, you know, what do you like about this place and what, you know, what, what ideas or advice do you have for me and that kind of thing. So, is that something you've done everywhere you've been or is that something you're trying here for the first time? I, I did it uh, at Mississippi State. Okay. Right? But, you know, we are, the staff there is about half the size <laughs> here. So it's it a may, bigger endeavor. It may take a little bit longer, but that's been a lot of fun. Uh, you don't really know about a place until you know about its people. But that's. You know, it's it's the days go by pretty quick, and uh, it's a fun part of what we get to do. So last time we spoke, you surprised a lot of people when you said that you love the Hamilton soundtrack. I asked you, what do you listen to? What's inspiring you? Uh, since that time, it's been about it's been almost two, three months since we talked. Anything new and interesting that you are listening to, or that you're watching, that is uh, that's inspiring you? No, and I, you know, I usually have a book going, and I, I really mm. don't have a book right now. I've been busy and. With work and I really had a chance to. It's <laughs> understandable. You have, you have the summer, I hope to, to jump back in the book circuit. <laughs> um, I've gone seeing a few movies. What movies? Did you um, check out? And uh, this is topical. I, uh, so I'm fascinated, and I can't find many people have actually seen La La Land, but there seems to be nobody down the middle on that movie. Either people really like it or just really don't get it. I I went with my wife and daughter. What were your expectations? It's all about the. I, I, uh, yeah. I saw eight of the nine nominated. Oh, did movies, you? Okay. So you're talking to the right so guy. Okay. Well, so I go with my, my wife and, and youngest daughter, and they were really excited about going to see La La Land. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll go with you. I don't, you know. And I really liked it. I thought it was brilliant in a lot of ways. 
and we left and they thought, yeah, they, it just it didn't hit them at all. They didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so the few people I've talked to, um, in fact, Saturday Night Live did a skit about people either not liking right, it right, or, yeah. or loving that. it. So anyway, it's ironic what happened Sunday night with the uh, mm-hmm. the mix-up. Um, but anyway, so that's uh, – I saw Hidden Figures and, and – uh, La La Land were the only nominated movies I saw. So what what do you think? That's more than it's more than most people. Well, I had this thought, and I don't know if anybody if you haven't seen La La Land yet, this is I guess a little spoiler alert. This is one of the great things from Twitter is we can mine other people's ideas and then repeat them and put them out in the ether. So I made the point that if you saw La La Land, the ending of the Oscars is actually quite appropriate uh, no question. for the story of the movie. No because question. ultimately you're expecting the fairy tale ending and you don't get exactly what you think you're gonna right. get. And now what happened at the Oscars is insanity, and I can't believe it happened. It but is, it is, it is, it is amazing. It is the perfect. story of the movie. It is perfect. I thought I thought the movie was really good. You know, it had this really cool opening scene that was mm-hmm. very Hollywood musical. And a lot of people think I don't. I've heard a lot of people say I don't want to see it because I don't like musicals. There's really not a ton of music no, in that, the movie. What's misleading? The, the problem is that people see the trailers and they expect like a full blown Disney musical. They're expecting right. Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast. It's really not that. No, it's almost. No. It maybe is a little bit of a, a bait and switch well, to a degree. I, you know, if you break a movie up into three acts, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the first act is heavy on the Hollywood musical, almost a, a paying tribute to the historical. Right. They got to rope you in. Yeah. And then that second act, it looks like a regular movie. Yeah. I mean, it's almost real life hitting your right. You know, the first part's almost, you know, idyllic first act. The second act, they uh, there's a lot of nitty gritty down and, you know, life's not easy kind of thing. Sure. And then the third act you think they're going to come back and triumphantly tie you back in. And as you said, it's it's not the fairy book ending you expect, but it's still a really good ending. Sure. And in its own right. If you suspend the disbelief that you created while watching the movie and go back to a little bit of reality. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. And, and I agree. Uh, I imagine there are a lot of people who go to Hollywood and have, for those of you who, who haven't seen the movie, basically these, these two young people who meet and develop a relationship and fall in love, they get to the point in their career where if they want to follow their dreams, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily going to be able to do it together. And that's probably a very common story for young people who go out to Hollywood. No question. And work in entertainment industry that they don't necessarily end up with who you think they might because mm-hmm. they have to follow their career path and, and they don't always have the time to be together. So I thought it was really good. I, uh, I've not seen Moonlight, so it Moonlight's must be, it very, must be very good. exceptional. Great movie. Do you agree with It's tough. It's a close call. I would I would have said, actually, I would have said, here's a good suggestion for it. I would have said Lion was the best of those nine. It's a feel-good okay. movie. It's it's good tears. It's happy tears. Okay. We need some happy tears. Hacksaw Ridge, I haven't seen that. That's the one that I did not see. Okay. Don't, I hear it's really I good. I don't love war movies. Yeah. I get, it gets repetitive for me. I've heard it's extremely gory, too. So if you're into that, yeah, and then I'm, if I'm you're not that, into that's that. probably your I'm thing. I'm not into that, but it, I've heard it's a really good movie. So you, you had time to see some movies, so yeah. at least you, you've gotten out a little bit. I saw a few movies. I saw, you know, there's a, uh, and this was not up for the Oscar. I don't know if maybe it didn't come out, but the the movie The Founder, which was about Ray Kroc, who great movie, who distributed, you know, basically franchised McDonald's. Really good movie. Yeah, I've had a chance to see that one as well. If I could bring this full circle, and I, I had no idea you were going to bring that up, but when you were talking earlier about the HOK situation and how they've evolved over the years, and they basically became something else, then took a name that wasn't even them. It's sort of like what happens. In the founder, that's the story of Ray Kroc and McDonald's. McDonald's was no longer really McDonald's. They right. took McDonald's away from McDonald's. Right. The great line in that movie was, uh, 
when he realized he wasn't in the uh, hamburger business, he was in the real estate That's business. That's exactly. Great moment. Well, so. I'm, glad you've, I'm glad you've gotten around. See, you've, you've had some time to enjoy, I try to be balanced. enjoy things. Yeah, yeah. I, try, I try to have a, you know diverse interests. You can relate to the, the student-athletes better. You're seeing the movies people are talking about. You're staying in the middle of pop culture. Trying to. Next thing, you'll be listening to Lemonade on your way to work. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know about that. Nah, okay, too far of a bridge to cross. Well, in any case, Scott, thank you so much for the time. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Adam. Go Gators.